everyone. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Luke Strand, head coach and president of hockey operations with the Sioux City Musketeers. Luke brings a lot of hockey knowledge to the table, having spent time in college, junior, and the NHL in a long list of hockey operations roles. His passion and ability to take on new challenges has led to success in his career, and I am happy to share his story with listeners today. With that, here's Luke Strand, head coach and president of hockey operations with the Sioux City Musketeers. second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day, and the best part is it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app, go to Pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Luke Strand, head coach and president of hockey operations with the Sioux City Musketeers. Luke, thanks for joining the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Yeah, it's great to have you on and, and have someone else from the USHL. Uh, this is actually the second time we've been with Sioux City. Uh, Daniel DeShane was on very early in the process and uh, a scout in the organization, but definitely a different role. So uh, it'll be nice to hear your story this time around and very, kind of go through I'm your very thankful, scout. Let me tell you that it's it's great to have Daniel on board. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely spent uh, a few games, watched a few games over yeah. the years with Daniel. But uh, let's let's learn about you this time around, and and maybe just start off by telling people um, a bit about your story, maybe your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and and just more uh, general information on you. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, fortunate I was the son of an Air Force. So my father's in the Air Force for 20 years. We were born in the Philippines and uh, moved to stateside at an early age and, and uh, really grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, straight east of Minneapolis by about an hour. Um, a really fortunate place to grow up uh, as far as like, out, you know, ranks, ballparks, football fields, like things of, of that nature for recreation sport were always good. We got to hunt, we got to fish. But uh, so growing up in Eau Claire, um, I was able to play hockey, baseball, and football as a, as a young man all the way through high school. And um, I think that really helped us uh, at the time. I don't think hockey was as sports-specific as it is now. And 
I, I think you actually probably played football to get ready for hockey and uh, baseball was the add-on, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I probably was the best at baseball that I was at anything else. So uh, one of those opportunities, I think growing up there, great coaches, great support staff. My family was wonderful, spoiled that way as far as mom and dad and attending games and always making sacrifice to, to allow us to have opportunities. So, um, but where it's came from then to where it is now back there, it, it's crazy. Um, just, just where the game has gone, even like small town, Wisconsin. So, um, really fortunate that way. Uh, I left uh, high school with the aim of playing hockey and ended up actually playing baseball right away in college and, uh, stopped by, uh, PKO Hanley coaches. Waterloo, uh, was my Bantam coach and, uh, he was coaching North Iowa in the USHL. So I had a fortunate opportunity to stop in and say hello. And before you know it, I'm, uh, swapping out baseball gear and school for, for the ability to go back to and play hockey, which was for sure my love. Um, so I played in North Iowa, in uh, Mason City, Iowa. Really fortunate there. Um, it was PK's first years there coaching, but uh, ourselves, um, you know, staying in the Midwest, it was, it was a nice part. I mean, my folks had a chance to come to games and uh, just being close that way. And then after junior hockey, you had then, uh, I don't think, obviously, there wasn't as many junior hockey teams, or sorry, uh, college hockey teams as there is now. Um, so your option was really being like, uh, a scholarship kid or a walk-on kid and earn your way. And I probably didn't know enough because there were some opportunities on that side that probably would have been uh, impactful down my career line. Um, but I went back home to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. At the time, my parents were retired. So uh, now you're talking 1993. Uh, really, no one lived there in town anymore as far as mom and dad and, and all that type of thing. So um, able to go back there, went to Wisconsin, Eau Claire, Division Three school, um, and played hockey and baseball there. So after my four years of, of college, and uh, I was able to get a degree in kinesiology and a sports psych minor, which uh, I think my dream focus at that point was to uh, to coach and to move forward on those sides. Um, it really allowed me to, to get back home and, and – um, Played a ton of summer ball, which I, I got my fix of, of baseball, but uh, the focus was hockey, and which ended up leading into you know a little bit of uh, pro hockey in the minor side in the United League. So, camp at Milwaukee and played in the UHL, and it, it was a good setting for me to be around more players. One, but uh, different coaches, uh, great teammates, um, some things that really led to the opportunity to try to go become a coach after that. Yeah, no, it, it seems like sport was uh, pr pretty dominant in your early years and, and it kind of uh, fueled your passion and everything you were doing at that time. But it's always interesting just to hear maybe uh, the different sports that were involved. Definitely baseball, you know, you said you, you still kind of had to get that fixed in the summertime and uh, and had the opportunity to kind of go through a different, few different programs, playing a few different sports. But as you said, it, it kind of ended up going in the coaching direction. And as we can see today, you're in a head coach role, but Maybe starting off early in the process, let's go through some of those initial roles. And the first one I want to talk about is your time with the Green Bay Gamblers and uh, maybe just talk about that early experience as an assistant coach and, and kind of how that learning process went for you. Yeah, I was I was really spoiled, Ryan. Um, prior to coaching in Green Bay, I, I when I was done playing in 2000, um, 
moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Tim Coughlin, who's the head coach at St. Norbert right now, St. Norbert College is a Division Three school, liberal arts school there that has a massive hockey tradition now, really was getting off the ground then. Um, Cogs was uh, welcoming to me, and, and uh, I, I was able to work for Tim for three years, which at the time were, were I mean, I, I look back at those first three years as maybe uh, ground-setting, formidable years, but it, it led me for the opportunity to, you know, go to the United States Hockey League in Green Bay as an assistant. Uh, my first head coach there was Marco Siki. Um, Oz is at Wisconsin right now as, a, as an associate head coach there. Um, but those three years in town prior to had built a relationship between Oz and myself and, and the gamblers in that direction. And uh, prior experience, I think, with the USHL definitely showed what, what it could do, um, <clears throat> what that platform meant for young players and young coaches. So to switch jobs but not switch addresses at, at a pretty young career step was, was nice to be able to do, considering the addresses that have changed since. So um, that was – that was awesome. I think uh, with Green Bay, um, one you got to you get to a higher level athlete right away. The direction of the league, the professionalism of the league, um, had a new head coach in, in with with Marco Siki there, and Oz. I think um, he brought a really good challenge because I felt really Oz was and Tim to his credit for sure. They're both very hands off. Like they they gave you space to grow. Um, in an unsettling way, I always say, like, yeah, they have enough rope to climb and enough rope to hang yourself because they, they wanted you to fail, um, but they also wanted you to learn and, and correct it and, and fail forward. So uh, those coaches made it a, a really unbelievable experience to what I thought was going to be something I would love to, knowing that this is what I love to do. And um, Oz, unfortunately, after one year left and he went to Wisconsin, um, as, a, as a coach, then as an assistant. And then uh, I worked for one year under Mark Mazzolini. And Mark had just come to Green Bay after leaving Harvard. And uh, Maz uh, was hometown Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I had a chance to work for, uh, for Maz. And probably uh, they're different creatures for sure. Um, everyone, I think, gives you an experience to learn from and grow from. And, and Maz certainly did too. And, you know, I think that uh, the number of hats that you end up wearing in junior hockey is is incredible and it's a it's definitely a stone to to set you up for success in the future no that's that's great to hear and whenever you have a, an early experience like that and coaches that are kind of putting you through the through through the the system and giving you chance to kind of learn on the fly i think that's always a positive for sure and uh you know early in your experience and early in your coaching career you you never really know uh, what opportunities are going to come down the road. And, and for you, it ended up kind of transitioning into more positions. And the next one I want to go into is your time at the AHL level. Uh, just talk about maybe the learning curve, now working with players directly below the AHL level and possibly some added responsibility on your end. Yeah, big time. I <clears throat> I had left the Gamblers there, went to Wisconsin, Eau Claire, back to my alma mater and was a head coach and assistant athletic director for a couple of years. And it was an August day. I'll, I'll, I remember it. We were on a coach's retreat for that that coming up year. I had the coaches and staff all together. And phone rang, and and um, it was it was Kevin Constantine. And Kevin had asked if I'd have any interest. Uh, he was going to work with Troy Ward, who's a, a close friend of mine, who major mentor in my life. Um, and they were going to go to Houston. Um, 
Rise, uh, Doug Riseboro was was hiring in Houston, and um, you know, Kevin's, you know, he's like, hey, you're you, you're the guy I want, um, but you got to go through through Doug Riseboro and Tom Lynn, and, and to be hired, got to go through the Minnesota organization, and um, which I, obviously I've been through some interview settings before, but nothing to to that power uh, by any means. So it was an unbelievable experience, and I think one of the one of the enlightening thoughts was probably my enthusiasm for what I thought that challenge would bring uh, turned into being like, this is the guy that we want to help our young guys uh, become successful at the American League level. So uh, incredible experience for two years in Houston. Uh, we had two really successful years. Um, I did some unique things in the American League that I never in a million years would have thought. Like uh, I coached goalies. I've never, I've never uh, been a goalie in my life, but uh, I got shunned to the idea of coaching the goalies and um, that experience and that uh, deep dive. I, I really thought that that was two years of, oh, just a PhD in hockey, digging into things that I, I wouldn't have had to had I stayed at the levels I was at, and that I wouldn't have had to if I wasn't challenged by Kevin and Troy and the organization to to learn and to grow and. Um, really, really manage up in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I, I was I was really fortunate um, uh, just just with the opportunity to deal with the GM and Tom Lynn was our, our GM there in Houston to report to the NHL club and then have responsibility down below that that was really meaningful for for guys to, whether it's the call up side or the development side and you know that that goalie move which. We end up winning the Hap Holmes Award back-to-back -back years, and I'd like to say it's because of their goalie coach, but I think our goalies were pretty good. And Barry Brust and Nolan Schaefer, and like Anton Kadobin was a young man. You know, Dobbs was just coming over to the U.S. and getting his feet wet with hockey. Uh, we just had some some outstanding guys that way, and I had some really fortunate opportunity to learn. And I thought the American League level, though, for sure, gave you an opportunity to um, your you're with the player that's so close um, to adding maybe a zero under their, their paycheck. And they're that far away too, if they don't want to go through all the steps. So uh, the, the American league level for me, that, that first time in, in Minnesota today to this day, still have friends that, that played there and, and guys are on the team and some are agents now and some are still in pro hockey and some are, uh, you know, they're just dads now and they're looking back at hockey experiences and, and really relating to, the time that I spent with them there and it's, it's a, it was a fortunate stop for me. Houston was a fabulous place to coach. Yeah. I think anytime you get the experience to move up to that level and, and just be around so many players. And a lot of times it could be guys who, like you said, could open just a, a very young player. And, and then you see him and the recent playoff run he had there uh, the last couple of seasons. Like it's, it's just surreal kind of to think of, of where careers kind of go and, and just, you know, for you having that experience so young, it was a, uh, you know, a great opportunity for you then to kind of build on it and take the what you learned in that role into your next steps. For sure, uh, you know it's it's you know Anton. I look at Clutterbuck now playing in, in for the Isles. What uh, Cal was a young player trying to feel out what he was going to become instead of his junior hockey score. He had to figure out maybe more of a nemesis checking, um, pain in the backside to play against type player now that that he really had to learn how to do those things regularly. Um, and then we, we were just, 
we we had a great group. Um, those kids wanted to learn. I thought our vets were awesome. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, um, to to have that time spent with, you know, they take a look at the John Scott of the world, who Scotty was trying to really trying to get his career off the ground, and to spend a lot of extra time with those type of players was mega rewarding for me. Yeah, yeah, and then you kind of take all those experiences and, and continue on your own path as they did within their careers. And uh, in 2009, you moved to Sioux City, where you are today. Uh, this being your first stop in, in that uh, in that organization as the head coach and general manager, uh, discuss the decision to move into junior hockey again and the task of working this time in a, a dual role. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I had the itch to be head coach. I had the itch to uh, the belief in the league is so high. I've had great support of, of uh, I think in my in my tree of people that that have really encouraged me to to go for it and, and get after it and to come to the USHL uh, again it was a, kind of a late hire like the team had been selected uh, my owner Jim Cronstable at the time Cronst basically asked me to keep my staff um, if I would which I didn't know any of them um, but it turned out to be. One of the best things that I did, I had Cam Ellsworth as an assistant coach here. Uh, Camera left a couple years back later and went to Lowell, and now is at Norwich as a very, very, very good coach. Um, I had uh, Ricky Comley Jr. So Rick is now a scout with with Arizona, but he had spent some time with the NTDP after he left here. To have those guys, I think when I moved it to, you know, again, I'm, I'm – I'm definitely a Midwest guy, and the fact of I, I'm, I like a big city, but if you put me in a blue collar Midwest town, I'm probably the most comfortable. Um, to come to Sioux City, where hockey was prevalent and and really had a lot of roots to to what it brought to the table, um, it was awesome to really try to cut my teeth and, and figure out, you know, take my experiences from St. Norbert to Green Bay to Eau Claire to Houston, and now put them into a a package that that was you know stealing something from everybody probably <clears throat> curving it to my own liking and then uh, at that point like putting the gun to your head and then the bullets like you got to win and you got to make players and uh, that that is I love the USHL for the fact of the challenges that that roster gets redone every single year um, you lose pretty much half of your roster at least if not more um, but then you you really get to dig into some special things and some guys being draft picks. And, you know, I'm watching Max McCormick still with the Cranes now that played here for me then. And the guys that, that, that get drafted are one special part, but now there's the other side, I think in 10 years, you know, 12 years later is some of these guys are dads and they're businessmen and they're successful. And their time in Sioux city was very empowering and meaningful to their career, which I think when you're in the moment, you're in the trench and you're in the, the day-to-day of winning, uh, sometimes it's pretty easy to lose sight of those things. But the reflection after uh, they've kind of like got a little bit all grown up here, uh, when you're going to their weddings and your <laughs> and their kids are named after you, things like that that are are really really special, rewarding. No, that's that's for sure, and and I think that's the nature of junior hockey. You know, it's you're definitely still trying to win, and uh, you know, you're dealing with the day to day grind. With like you said, the roster turnover every year, you're losing so many players, especially when you're in a competitive situation and you have an older roster. But uh, you know, essentially, for a lot of these kids, ultimately their goal is to move on to that next level. But for some of them, it just kind of goes in different ways, and that's when you kind of see life take over and, and things like that. So it's, it's a great experience, and 
uh, can be a, a great learning opportunity for a coach, especially going into a head coaching role initially. And uh, But again, you would continue on your career and your next stop would find yourself back in the AHL, uh, this time in the Flames organization. So talk about that opportunity and then the potential difference in your approach and role this time around. Well, really special. My last year in Sioux City here, actually, so everyone's really transparent. I got fired here in Sioux City after year two. We made the playoffs. New ownership came. They wanted their own person. Um, we had the most successful year. We'd had the organization like eight years. Um, and I'd never been fired. I never thought, man, I, I mean, I'd never thought about it, <laughs> to be quite frank. You, you know, I, I suppose it lingers in your brain, but you're, you feel like you're doing a job or you're not going to get fired. And it happened. And, and I'll tell you, when it happened, um, you, you, and this is wrong of me to say, but I'm saying it like, I don't think you've ever coached until you've been fired. I don't think you've ever felt the magnitude, the pressure, the weight, the letdown, um, what that meant to you to turn um, a sour situation into an unbelievable situation. And I was really fortunate because uh, that summer, Troy Ward, who was with me in Houston, became the head coach in Abbotsford. Uh, he had been there as an assistant, I think, under Jim Playfair at the time, maybe. And then Wardle got the job. And, and then that summer came along. Uh, Wardle really challenged me because I was at a low, um, <clears throat> a low part of just like the the taste of getting fired was it, it. I couldn't get it out of my mouth, and I couldn't. I was trying to put too many whys to it instead of like, okay, let's move forward and, and take the lesson on. And um, Wardle really put me in, into that, snapped me into place. And so I was able to go to to Calgary with, with Troy and to Abbotsford. Um, and that was, uh, I think, the people that, that we had in, in Calgary. Jay Feaster was the GM. John Weisbrod was the assistant GM. Uh, their support was unbelievable. Wise is as brilliant a man as there is. Um, so you're always kind of, when you go back to pro hockey, I, the part you love about hockey is it, it's, it's true pro time. Like you better be a pro every, every way, every day. Um, that challenge was, was awesome. I thought the flames had a, a pretty good mix of some young and some talent coming through. Um, Wardo did some really intriguing things. Like he, you know, I was the offensive coordinator and, and I, I ran the D, but ran the power play. And then, I was in charge of any offensive build and uh, Kale McLean, who Kale's in Stockton now as, an, as a head coach for the flames um, was the other system. He was a defensive coordinator. He did the penalty kill and, and ran the forwards. And it was uh, a really unbelievable. It was the first time I, I thought Troy was exceptional. Like Kale and I spent more time at the board than Troy did because now in hindsight, Troy was brilliant in the idea that he spent more time with his players. He was he wasn't having meetings in his office. He was having meetings on the rink in line with guys and, and constantly as a head coach getting to be closer and tighter and better. That relations uh, grew so much. And I thought our teams, um, they, they grew the exact same way. Um, we were fortunate. Ron Sutter was a development coach with the Flames and he still is now, but he was spent a lot of times with us in Abbey. And Ron and I got to be really close friends because I just listened to them. I wanted to, I wanted to hear uh, their perspective. I wanted to hear uh, the Sutter whole family experiences coming together out of a conversation. Like I want to hear it. And uh, we were, we were really lucky um, to, to have that all, you know, come down the pipe. And um, 
it really, I think that Abbotsford experience in, in the Calgary experience the second time around, a whole different feeling in the idea of, um, I was familiar with it, that there was no sticker shock to going to pro hockey. Um, and, and there was a really, the, the Flames were probably young enough to, you know, be putting guys in, in the, the, the next chair and through the NHL. And we were majorly driven to to make that happen from the Brodies, the Byrons, to the guys who went up there and had great success. Um, it, it was an awesome experience at that time. And they were so inclusive. Uh, the one thing I felt, um, Calgary was very inclusive from dev camp and being around, you know, there's Jerome. Jerome's in the weight room like a savage. He's working so hard. And you get to see around those guys. I thought that close-knitness really was a, a great conduct for the American League in the NHL. Yeah, it goes a long way when you have the, the NHL team really invested in that, uh, you know, the AHL team. And uh, especially, like you said, with a younger program, maybe a few opportunities for guys to move up. It just adds that extra motivation, kind of similar situation as you see a lot of times in junior. You know, you're always pushing to kind of see where those guys can go and, um, you know, a different feel. but. Again, it seems like it was a maybe a more comfortable approach this time around being in the AHL, just having that experience with the pro players and uh, maybe even the head coach role now under your belt and, and bringing that to the table as well. So I was really interested in, in kind of hearing that second go just because, you know, it's always different the second time around, I feel. And uh, following that in 2014, you actually moved back into the USHL, this time with Madison. So maybe talk about that organization and, and your experience in, uh, in that program. Yeah, um, you know, at the end of my time in Abbotsford, <clears throat> being uh, it was it was good. The first year in Abbey, we played in the Central Division, so we were always in Milwaukee, Chicago, Cleveland, and take turn you know time back. I've got a nine year old son that's living in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That uh, I'm I'm missing like every tick of the top of the clock that goes by. Like I'm missing something. Um, so that was kind of my, uh, I could have stayed with Calgary forever. I loved it. And I thought we had a great uh, thing going between us. But um, I think when I started to really feel like, you know, my boy is like at an age where like being there is more important than being here. Uh, I need to, I need to push back and I need to see what this is. And the hardest decision I probably ever made was that because the easiest at one point to be a dad and to be around it, the hardest to, you know, you're, you're that close and you feel that close and you are that driven. But um, the, the, I think the big picture said to uh, to step back. And it, I was fortunate because here again in the undercover way is I spent a, a year as a GM in Sioux City in between Calgary and Madison. And, and it uh, with the ownership that partly the ownership that had fired me, hired me. And uh, Jay Verity was here as a coach, a longtime friend of mine. And um, uh, he's like, you, you got to come back here and be our GM. I, I don't want to do both these things. So which really at the time set me up for Madison, because now as the GM and coaching team Wisconsin, which is an unbelievable, it's a U16, 18 program back there, being in charge of all the coaches and players and doing those things was an awesome year for me to put a lot of experiences together. But it allowed me to, uh, set myself up for the Madison job in the USHL, which was a brand new expansion team, expansion draft, uh, go through some situations that I'd never gone through, but not 
not necessarily preparing for it either because here I am the GM of Sioux City. So a fine line of, of uh, what you're looking at, what you're trying to replace and, and plug in. So um, the, the Madison experience uh, for a year was good. The franchise was good. Ryan Suter was a major uh, majority owner of the team. So dealing with Ryan and the NHL side of things and his career as that's going on, I was really blessed to have a managing partner there, Tom Garrity, who now is the commissioner of the USHL in a small world um to to work alongside and really learn a lot of ins and outs and, and things of the business side of this that that I uh, it's really prepared me on so many levels uh without him probably even knowing that I was watching him as close as I was I I was definitely spoiled to have Tom as an owner and and uh, to learn from but the opportunity came to go to the University of Wisconsin right from there again switching the job and not changing addresses and getting a multi-year deal. And, and Mike Eves was the head coach at Wisco. And um, Evers was kind of on the rocks as far as what was going on there and the direction it was going. And um, I loved the challenge of, of that. I loved the challenge. I wish I wish we could have saved Mike's job in some regard because I thought he was an excellent uh, the college experience with Mike and the success he had at Wisconsin is big time. Um and I really wanted to help save that job, but it allowed me to do some really steep things. Like uh, the the time at, at Wisco was uh, amazing. Uh, like we have Luke Cunning as a commit, um, so Luke Cunning is trying to get absolutely bombarded by Major Junior because he's I forget who he's even proper. Was it Sarnia? Yeah, know. I'm not sure. I, I have to I double forget. check on that. He he was property of and and he. Uh, uh, we were going through that. So you're recruiting your own player. He's already on campus. He's already, I'm working with him every single day, but I, I know the phone is ringing in the background from him to, to leave because, you know, people are talking to a new coach and situation's going to, we lost Opilka late in the summer because uh, Opilka signed, he got drafted and, and um, I think he went to Kitchener if I'm not mistaken. So it was a, it was an intense year to, to deal with, uh, I think the the background music of, of what was going on, and which was another experience that you, I don't think I know people can talk about it, but until you live it, when your bosses uh, there's, there's there's you know the fray of what you're hearing about your boss being replaced, and all you can do is put your head down and, and be loyal and support the heck out of them, um, but at the same time grow your own path and cut your own teeth and doing some things that way. Um, my time at University of Wisconsin was was priceless as far as what was there and my relationships I was built with with people there and to this day like the the Luke Cunnings of the world that played there at the time man that kid would we'd get on the ice every single morning together and, and just go do things that he wanted to go experiment with and it, priceless time of, of my life as far as that going back to NCAA. Yeah, the NCAA is uh, is another level and, and definitely some different experiences. And, and you kind of summed it up perfectly just talking about that situation. And, you, you know, you have so many teams vying for the same players, whether it's, um, you know, the NHL club or having say in the players college or maybe junior hockey teams, like you said, major junior at OHL um, talking with them as well. So, uh, again, it's a fine line, like you said, then especially too with coaches, you know, so many coaches are or maybe on the hot seat at times and you might be an assistant or in a supporting role and 
you're maybe thinking that you're ready to take that step, but at the same time, you're doing your best to support them because you want to just learn from them. And it's, it's so many different uh, things that's a factor in, but uh, maybe moving away from coaching just a little bit, you also had a, a, a season there as a scout with the Calgary Flames, kind of a little bit different than some of the things that you um, had done in terms of your actual role. I know in the general manager role, you're always involved in scouting and, and whatnot, but maybe just walk us through that experience and kind of how you got roped into that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was it was probably me trying to rope myself into it because at the time, uh, <clears throat> the Wisco year, uh, the second year of my contract, uh, I didn't really have a job. So I'm like, how how can I make myself better? Can I either you know go be a, a bird on a wire with someone's college <laughs> hockey program? Can I get involved with pro? And then the opportunity came to to scout and. Uh, I'd reached out to people in Calgary that I knew trusted and, and Todd button being at the top of the list with, with what Todd brought to the table and then our time together. Um, and was able to, uh, there's a gentleman, Jim Cummins, Jim was a U.S. scout as well, a longtime player, but great man out of Chicago, kind of doing the, the U S by himself. So uh, I was able to, to jump in there and, and do that part. And the scouting part for me was, um, major intriguing because it was um to your point of having roles were with a general manager and different hats that way but you didn't have a sole focus of it and this was a sole focus of scouting and why and the criteria and um i, I thought todd i know he does still but he i thought his his uh, his guidance was awesome in the idea that uh, we we weren't a sharing we weren't a community thought club or or way we went about it you had your own thoughts and you were going to stick to your guns about what you felt and why and um i thought that was uh you know i'll never forget i use it to this day he talked about it like all the time like do you want your name attached to this player for the rest of his career like do you want name your name on the back of his jersey and you know that that put a a major passion behind like okay i'm finding everything out underneath the hood about any player and every player. Um, and I, I'll tell you they, those lessons of learning the whys and the why nots and the, and the trajectory of a player. And I just think that, um, that uh, the trends of a, of a player, what they're looking like in the fall to the winter, to the spring, uh, though, those, those experiences that, that uh, Todd allowed me to have and with Jimmer there and, and then Trevor Brad had come in as a tree was our, our GM and, um, I thought Tree's approach was fantastic with us. Like he, he had a a mind for the now, but he definitely had the intrigue of he was on top of things and um, he wasn't afraid to call you out and say like, okay, so speak on this now. And I love people that, like, that don't uh, necessarily, um, they don't lay it out there for you. Like they're going to put you on the spot for the reason, the why of what you think and what you feel. Um, and that, I thought Tree was exceptional. I thought Todd was exceptional at, at those. And, you know, here's Jim as my quote-unquote U.S. partner in covering the U.S. And I'll never forget going to meetings. And Jim's a big man. <laughs> and Jim, Jim's standing up, pounding the table for a guy that he wants in the same area higher than a guy that I want in the same area. It's like, okay, it's you better be really, you better be really certain on what you feel and why you feel it. I mean, his experience was, was winning. And 
at the same time, it, it gave you a real sense of like going back to that comment of Todd's, like you want your name on this guy for the rest of his career. Um, it really puts you to stand up to what you believed in and how you believed in it. So that, that year of, of scouting was an opportunity to sharpen the saw, really use some things that I use here today um, that, that I was fortunate enough to hire people because of how I was hired. Um, some things like that, that they've never left. They'll never leave me because of, I thought that experience was phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of covering all that, the scouting experience, like you, everybody knows is, is such a different experience. And especially when you get to do it um, at the NHL level, you know, th- these are big investments and, uh, you know, wrong, wrong decisions can go a long way in, in deterring an organization or putting it on track. So, uh, you know, when, when you say you're, you're putting your name on that player, you know, you're, you're taking it personally with each and every pick. You really are. And, and I think um, you're, you're a team because you're supporting uh, your, your, you know, your, your colleagues' thoughts and, and minds, but you are definitely fighting for your pole position where you feel, where you feel your player was and, and uh, that was just a really great learning curve process for me to to go through that and and with the support like there was no wrong answer it was but but you were going to live by what you had to say and um, I always felt you know going back to Doug Riseboro way back in the beginning like Riser had a unique uh, way of like he let you talk to the point of like what you wanted to say and he he was still listening to see if you'd bury yourself because you said too much because you kept on rambling around. And I thought tree was that same exact like wisdom of like, okay, I want to hear what you have to say. And let's, let's put it on the table. But then you had to be wise enough to be like, okay, no, nope, that's it. I'm done. That's, that's all my conversation they had to offer. So um, some things that uh, you didn't really get a chance to go back once you, once you laid them down on, on the table. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a, the accountability for sure of a of a scouting position. But uh, as we move forward today, you find yourself back in Sioux City in a position that uh, you know, head coach and president of hockey operations. Uh, maybe talk about your role with the team this time around, and just the tenure um, as of late and, and the direction of the team. Yeah, it's um, it's it's awesome to be back. Uh, I think you know my first two years, and you had a GM year, and now this just finished year four here. Um, it's, it's an opportunity for me. I've got a huge, uh, fondness of the community, both the Siouxland, the area, uh, on and off the rink, in and out of the boards. Uh, that's so important to us here, but what our footprint is in, in that, um, I don't think we make mistakes as far as that goes, uh, just give an opportunity. Uh, we want to be prevalent, uh, prevalent rather in, in, uh, not only the community, but on the ice and in, the why uh, I do know coming back from pro hockey and coming back from experiences and, and having the chance to come back here a second time. Um, it, it's been unique in the idea that, okay, I, I've, I've done X, Y, and Z. Now I want to make sure that I take the best experiences out of X, Y, and Z to bring to this. And, um, you know, yeah, I don't think you go very far without having a staff. Uh, your staff is mega, mega important. The first thing I did was hire Andy Johnson. Johnson did work in Waterloo. Um, it was year, like my second year, uh, I had that opportunity. And it's it's been now from, from, you know, from the beginning of coming back here until now. I think that second year, though, we got to put our own stamp on things. And um, we've been blessed. Like we've, uh, you know, from the from the NHL side, the Bobby Brinks of the second round picks to the Martin Pospisils, the Kelly and Kellys and the Nate Clearmans. Uh, we've had 
plenty of, of success in the draft. Um, you know, right now we're going to have a young man who's at the 20 spot, Shai Booyum, who will be a first to second round pick. Um, I, I think we've we've had six guys sign NHL contracts out of Sioux City without going to another level, without going to NCAA in the last four years. Um, those those are, I think, supported by our, our management and by our ownership um, I, th- I think everyone tries – I think there's mis- sometimes a misconception with the USHL, like, oh, they're a college league, uh, which we are because we're keeping eligibility, but we're preparing people to play on TV. I mean, we're preparing people to to come into their own here and grow their own roots and, and do their own path. But, um, you know, if they go to college, great. Uh, rarely is a is an NHL pick stayed four years of college. We I would – you know, I, comparable to, to – you know, the CHL side of things, I would love my, my 20 year old that's been in college for two years to still be playing for me. And that'd be, <laughs> that'd be phenomenal, but it doesn't happen. Um, so I, I think this time around, um, and for sure with the support of ownership, um, our, we don't, uh, I love the fact that, that if a guy wants to walk in this door and become uh, a pro selfishly, I've got the experience to help that make sure that happens. Um, guy walks in this door and knows that college is our next route no no matter what i've got that experience to make that happen um so i think it's just given us a very versatile way of of looking at players it's given us a very versatile way of, of preparing players and development so we love uh, we love what we do and the ushl is a tough battleground for a young player to to you know they gotta grow some wings here before they can fly out that's for sure yeah, yeah, no, that's that's definite, and I think anyone that watches the league and, and sees the high competitive nature of it, uh, can you know, it's, it's very evident uh, from the from the moment the puck drops. But uh, you know, another thing I want to talk about, maybe some more reflective and opinion questions here. Holding a dual role in Sioux City, uh, and, and we've talked with other people on the podcast who have been maybe a general manager and the head coach, or even things like video coach and hockey operations assistant, something along a dual role line. Um, how important or how beneficial do you feel it is to to have a say in in multiple areas and um, or at least even having that ability to uh, to tie everything together? Um, I, I think it's major. I mean, you better be prepared. Don't get me wrong. And I think you've got to be uh, organizing in your thoughts. But um, I, you know, I, I love being involved in front office meetings. That's going to talk about what the event is in the city or where we are community wise or what the promotional night may be. I love to know those things. I think it's really important. I don't, I want to support their ideas. I don't really want to buck their ideas or, or give them a, a sense of there's a better way to do it, but I want to support it. And then um, at the same time, I, I think we get to add a lot knowing, you know, the back of the kitchen per se back here. Um, you know, I've, but like I said, I've been blessed. I hired Andy Johnson. I, since I made him the GM, because I, I think his growth was important on that side of things. Um, I don't like to think the titles matter, but some people think the titles matter. So, you know, he, he didn't really change his perspective of what he does. But then we were able to surround him with some more, uh, you know, we talked about Daniel earlier as a scout and Keegan Bell out west and Sean Clark in Michigan and Roger Mischke in, in Minnesota. Like we were able to surround Andy with some, you know, very bird dog part-time-ish people, but that are have a huge passion because of what we're able to put behind them and they believe in what we do. And um, though 
that group of, of people, I think, to be in charge of that, it, it gives you another sense of, you know, a day-to-day operation-wise. And I think if you're not touching all those buckets all the time, like, you're going to get behind somewhere. So my days tend to start pretty early, and um, I love to get in before pretty much the birds get here. And then uh, once people come, my things are done, and I can assist wherever I need to be. That's a great mindset to have, and and I'm definitely one of those people as well. I think if uh, if if you're expecting a nine to five job uh, in this game, you're you're going to end up behind the eight ball. But uh, for sure, the wrong game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, no, looking at all your experiences to date, uh, you know, you've talked about some of the relationships and players that you've met, and and obviously big games and big moments uh, for you personally. Is there maybe a favorite memory that you can look back to, whether it's a big win or just a moment in your career that you might like to share with listeners? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was able to coach Team USA as a world challenge uh, in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. We won a gold medal in Penticton, and it was uh, it was special because it was with P.K. O'Hanley. Uh, P.K. had been my coach before. Uh, we were able to reconnect, and we never coached on the same bench. I mean, maybe at some camps or whatnot, but but nothing to this experience. And, and to do that for the red, white, and blue, I thought was un- unbelievable. Um, unbelievable experience on that side of things. You know, I think every time you get into a USHL setting that, you know, not many, we only have four teams in each division make the playoffs. So uh, when you get to the playoffs of USHL, it is after a battle-ridden season. So those are, are monumental. I know this year, like, just sweeping the first round in Omaha, and, and that was a, a really big, uh, long-time competitive rival of ours. I think just getting these guys, and, and I would love to say there's one game, and there's really, there's really not. I remember uh, the, going for the Calder Cup in Houston, and we had a young man named Tony Herkus, who Herkus is a thousand game NHL player and maybe the best college hockey player ever to play. But Herk was a buddy of mine that I trained late in his career, and but I got him to come out of retirement and join us after being retired for three years, and uh, we were in Milwaukee where his jersey is hanging in the in the rafters, mind you, at the same time, he'd already been retired. And uh, so we were going to game seven in Milwaukee. And I think they had smoked, they had Brian Smolinski um, playing for Milwaukee as kind of an older player themselves. And I remember Kevin saying to, and I was really tight with Herc. So whatever Kevin said, I, I supported, but whatever Herc needed, I wanted to do because we were, we were long time buddies. And I remember Kevin saying to him like, Hey, you know, like their old guys may be playing better than our old guy. And, Kirk went out and had a goal and a helper in the game winner and his jersey's already hanging the banners and in the roof and, and uh, came off the ice and Kirk just looked at Kevin and goes, I think our old guy's still playing and their old guy's done. So it was a pretty, pretty fun experience to be a part of. I'll tell you, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I think if you want to get into this game, you want to get into this side of, you have to make a lot of lemons out of lemonade because, uh, uh, sorry, a lot of lemonade out of lemons because there's some moments where you're like, oh, I don't know how valuable that was until you you better have a way to reflect it and regroup with yourself because those are really key key factors to to what brings to the table. For sure, for sure. And and those are some great stories. And I always love the camaraderie and, and things like that that come out of the game. And a lot of times, even in the game experience that you touched on, it was being on the bench with, with, a, with a colleague and going through that experience. And uh, you know, you meet so many great people in the game and the people at My Hockey Resource are, are building a platform to allow you to connect with new people, whether it's managers, coaches, video uh, coaches, scouts, 
whatever the case may be. So if anyone listening and looking to grow maybe their own network, be sure to check out my hockey resource on Twitter and Instagram. Luke, one of the things they talk about on that platform a lot is resources and whether it's books, um, presentations, softwares, all these different things that people uh, look to to learn and, and get new ideas. So for you personally, what are some of maybe your favorite resources that you might share with listeners? I'm a reader. I like to read. Um, I, 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 I enjoy the easy reads of like the John Gordons of the world that are really inspirational. Um, all right, good. I think there's some some books along the way. Like I, I love Pound the Stone is a, is a favorite book. Um Legacy for me is a huge, huge book about the All Blacks and, and their success in rugby. Um, you know, just a lot of things like just, just, and I like to, I like to listen. I love the NHC, uh, the NHLCA, what they've got going. Um, I thought that that's been very valuable. Um, you know, the 21 rules of leadership, irrefutable rules of leadership is, is a great book for, for me. I think there's just times when, I think there's a lot of people that read and there's a lot of people that do things. And I, I think you've got to be able to put them into practice in some regard. Like we are, we are blessed here. We use a gentleman named Eric Hoffberg as a mental coach here. And Hoff teaches me every, something every single time I hear. Um, I have a great friend of mine, Jason Kersner, who does New Jersey Rockets and the NCDC, which everyone's like, oh, that's not really the high of a level. The guy's brilliant. I love to listen to what he's got to say about a day and, a, and an outcome. And But fortunately, like uh, Troy Ward, Tim Coughlin, those guys in my beginning of my career, Kevin Constantine, like, you know, I always joke when I hear people say like, oh, you know, you're really defensive because you work for Kevin. I'm like, or, or I'm really smart because I had a chance to work for Kevin and learn how to do those things. Um, it doesn't make you. I think everyone's got an experience to – to learn from and grow from. And you've got to be able to put them into play. I mean, that's one thing to learn and, and do, but can you actually apply? And um, that takes some, some work on the individual's behalf. I believe that they've got some reflection, um, but they've, they've got the, the truth to go make them happen. And um, you know, if, if people are always telling me like, you're on the ice too much, you, I, I I'm on the ice. I've, this was the longest time I've been off in a really long time. But now I'll be on the ice for the next 21 days straight, and I can't wait because it's I get to sharpen my saw, I get to experiment, I get to do some things with some different players. Um, but it's always fun. I think when you when you are all, it doesn't you know your position too, Ryan. When you have a speaker, you're going to take notes on something you like and you can apply. And I do the same when when I have a chance for a podcast and uh, and listening to your your guys the variety of guests that you host is crazy. Um, you know, I remember. Cole Caulfield's a great friend of mine, a kid I trained and, and been around and coached, and he was getting us a chance to go to the Habs there. And I'm like, do me a favor, go find Paul Byron. He played for me before. Go make sure you introduce yourself that way and, and things. So he started laughing. He's like, it already came up. I'm like, perfect. This is this is what it should be all about. So it's a special – hockey's a special way. I mean, it's a small, small-rooted game that uh, we take care of each other the right way, and I think it always pays off. Yeah, and, and like you said, the connections and, and people you meet, you learn so much. And even on the player's side, you know, that small connection probably made the transition a little bit easier for Cole. And, uh, you know, they're on that to the scoring. second round, which is uh, which is great to see. But I think that in scoring makes any transition a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, yeah, the goal scoring ability definitely uh, doesn't, doesn't hurt his chances. But, uh, no, it's, it's great to hear you had uh, people in your corner and, uh, you know, just talking about the resources, some great suggestions and, 
you know, Legacy seems to be a, a fan favorite for sure, but a, a number of great uh, suggestions there for listeners. And uh, maybe in that position now, having gone through everything you have in the game and, and meeting the people you've met and, and being through the different levels, uh, if you could go back in time, maybe talk to someone who's in a position like you were, just kind of looking to get into the game after being a player, or maybe someone who's looking to start fresh in the game, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in hockey operations? Um, I, I don't know if you can use, you know, I always hear like, ah, you know, Joe didn't have a great experience at spot X. I'm like, well, maybe Joe had the wrong, wrong approach to it. Maybe that's, so I don't know if you can start using other people's experiences, which I, I think really happens a lot for people. Um, and the other part is like, uh, you know, I, like here, I've got an assistant job open and I've got guys that are just formerly done playing. I, I can't pay them what they're formerly just got done making while they played. <laughs> so if you really want to get into this, there's some, there's some, you know, crawl before you walk moments and you're not going to be able to run until you've learned how to walk. So you're going to have to pay a little bit of your dues and big time for me was just listening. You know, we're fortunate. God gave me two ears and one mouth. So I might as well use my ears more than my mouth. And those were opportunities where I, I really, man, I've got notepads full of, I've got a computer full of notes. I, I've I just try to sink and think. And like, I have a phone that, if you didn't know what my phone, like if someone found my phone, they'd looked at my note section, they'd be like, what the heck is this guy doing? Well, they all make sense to me because I'm usually on the darn thing, putting something in. I think we have platforms now too, like the Twitters of the world. You don't have to be a responder. You can be a reader. You can be a learner. You can, the podcast side of things is amazing. Like what the coaches site does with, you know, guests and opportunities and, and meaningful. Um, but I, I do think when you're in the operation side, like, I always look at it like if I've if you own your own business, you better you better know how to do everything in that business from the opening to the closing to the sweeping to where the mop goes to what oh you know every piece of it, not just the front door hand waving, baby you know carrying, hand shaking, smiling. That that's the easy part. the The hard part is like, do you know what's really under the hood? What it takes, and I think. Um, I think some of the most successful people are these are the people that, you know, grew through it. I mean, you look at Rod Brindamore, you know, obviously his playing days are speaks for itself and Rod's a friend of mine, but I, I think, you know, can you imagine what he learned as an assistant before he got to be the head coach before he got to like, these are invaluable. You start to mix in a lot of lessons from a lot of people over time um, that, that I think made people really powerful. Yeah, no, I, I think at the end of the day, you really do want to be, uh, you know, a multi-tool in a sense and kind of go through those different experiences. And I, I even say to people like, and people have said on the podcast before, like sometimes it's not even a situation you necessarily are maybe enthusiastic to go in. Maybe it's not the role you wanted, but you yep. see it as a stepping stone, as an experience to learn. And um, a lot of times people talk about wanting to coach in junior. Instead, they end up going to uh, AAA hockey. And again, maybe not the, the pay that they want. And then, you know, oftentimes it's not anything. So just kind of going through that experience. But and at the, the end of the day, they they play a part in building to something bigger. And that's uh, that's essentially the, the name of the game. Yeah, the willingness to have a growth mindset is uh, if, you, if you don't, you're going to be way behind and stuck. And, you know, some of those, to your point of the AAAs of the world, go go cut your teeth. Go go experiment. Uh, those are some of the fondest memories I have of coaching ever, ever were 
where the pace stunk. <laughs> I know it did, but the the privilege to coach kids and make them better. And, um, they probably got better opportunities out of it than I did. Um, but the value of it was immeasurable. Yeah, most definitely. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're able to work in hockey or, or even if it's a volunteer opportunity, it's, uh, it's still involved in the game. And, and I think that's a, a great situation to be in. So, Luke, again, I just want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and, and the lessons that you were able to provide. And I'm sure listeners feel the same way. And with that, I just want to thank you again and, and wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you very much. And uh, continued success with the podcast is great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Take care. Take care. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, Definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for the casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Luke for taking some time out of his busy schedule to join me on the podcast today. Anytime you can talk with an experienced hockey executive, it's a great conversation and Luke's story is another one that shows hard work and genuine connections go a long way in this game. If you would like to get in touch with Luke to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Justin Pereira, assistant coach with the Oakville Blades. Justin shows the power of coaching through the minor hockey system and throws in some unique experiences in junior and university hockey, so listen to that release on this upcoming Wednesday. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone here for listening in and for supporting the podcast day in and day out. If you would like to hear from a certain guest or have a question pertaining to anything you hear about on the podcast or on social media, be sure to reach out to us today. As always, stay safe and all the best.